Welcome to the Uncomplicating Weight Loss Podcast. My name is Eva Rodriguez, proud Latina, single mom, and certified integrative nutrition, health, weight loss, and mindfulness coach. I'm passionate about teaching women how to balance being busy and healthy without complicated rules or restrictions. On this podcast, I'll be simplifying weight loss concepts and mindset shifts so that you can be confident in your curves. It won't always be easy, but it doesn't have to be complicated. And we're going to get right to it. I'm going to be sharing how I lost 20 pounds last year, while just about everyone I know gained at least the quarantine 15, if not more. I did this without restricting myself, without counting calories, without counting macros, and without access to a gym. So in today's episode, I'm going to break this down into 10 simple steps that you can implement right away. I'll preface this by saying, yes, I'm trained in all of this. So it would appear that it would be easier for a weight loss coach to know what to eat and how to exercise, regardless of lockdowns and living in a seemingly perpetual question mark that was the year 2020. But hear me out, because I'm actually not that different from you. I'm not a kept stay-at-home mom with a nanny and extra time on my hands. I am a single mom. In case you skipped episode one, my son's father is deceased, so there is no co-parenting in my life. I have a high-level day job that has nothing to do with my health coaching business. And I launched my first podcast last year, which was a lot of work. And I do all this by myself. And I have struggled with emotional eating. And I've battled with depression since I was a little girl. I'll share more about my depression and emotional eating in later episodes, but both were undiagnosed for years. When I look back now, now that I'm on the other side of it, I sometimes get sad, I guess, that nobody noticed that I was depressed for such a long time. I don't know if it's because I managed to hide it or because nobody gave a fuck or because nobody knew how to help me. And it really doesn't matter anymore. But I'm very sensitive to how untreated depression can truly steal the joy that we all deserve to have. So quick side note, if you battle with depression or anxiety or both, please seek help. There's nothing wrong with getting help. There's nothing wrong with getting therapy. I know that I know in my culture, in the Latino culture, it is not necessarily encouraged to get help when you have issues like this. It's often hidden. It's often ignored. I just want to let you know that there's nothing to be ashamed of. There is nothing inherently wrong with you. And we all deserve joy and peace and happiness. Okay? I just needed to say that because this is very important. and. I'm very sensitive to it. So if you've ever battled with depression, then you know it's often not something that just goes away. It's it's something that you learn to manage. When I became a health coach, I was determined to stop taking medications because I didn't want to keep putting chemicals in my body. Learning mindfulness was the game changer here, but it wasn't easy. I will not lie to you and tell you it was easy. It was not easy full transparency, I'm still prone to falling into depression. It actually got 
re-triggered recently. Um, I'll probably talk about that another time. But at the beginning of last year, I'd finally found my groove. You know, I was going to the gym five days a week. I was training people. I was starting my new podcast. And then we all got hit with the global pandemic and our lives forever changed, right? What really affected me was my son's reactions and the confusion, right? Confusion around virtual learning and all of a sudden we don't have anywhere to go or anything to do. And he plays baseball. And when they canceled the season, he was devastated. And that broke my heart, right? I, I always say, like, if I could absorb any and all pain so he never has to feel it, I know that's not realistic. But I would because that's my baby. But yeah, the kids were devastated, right? They didn't know what was going on. We didn't know what was going on. And then I would see people's social media posts and everyone is baking cakes and bread and eating and day drinking and binge watching Tiger King and shit, being laid off, right? And I started to see how this could very easily trigger my depression because when I don't know what to do or when I don't have enough to do, my mind starts looking for things to worry about. And I start thinking about my past. And for the most part, my depression was tied to my emotional eating. So if I was feeling stressed or upset or sad or frustrated, I'd want to feed or numb those emotions with lots of ice cream. The other thing I've been prone to do is drink a lot. And here's where self-awareness is so important on our healing and personal growth journey. And I'll be talking about self-awareness a lot throughout these coming episodes. I'm now at a place in my life where I'm very aware of my triggers, but this wasn't always the case. However, I knew that if I allowed myself to eat my feelings or to drink them away at a time when we really couldn't leave the house, I would have fallen into a really dark place. So I made a very conscious choice to not follow the masses, to stay off of social media, and to focus on ascending regardless of what was going to happen or how long these uncertain times were going to last. This is where I encourage you to step into your power and realize that you always have a choice to either let life happen or stay aware, intentional, and in control of your actions, reactions, thoughts, feelings, and behaviors. So I looked at my son and it dawned on me that this was about to become a live classroom on how to do life because he was watching me. He was taking his cues from me and I needed to be a positive role model now more than ever because we weren't going to be going anywhere for a while. So if he saw me day drinking, eating ice cream every night, vegging out in front of the TV, feeling defeated, complaining about the world and the politics and the shenanigans, what would he have learned? Right? And is that the type of person I want to be raising? Hell no. Absolutely not. My job as his mother is to be the best role model I can be for him. So I made a choice. Not only did I remember my why, which is always the anchor to what we do, I had to refine and redefine my why. 
That's what kept me from getting too deep into my feelings where I wouldn't be making clear decisions, where I wouldn't be able to support him through a child's perspective of how the world was shifting. So that is step number one, getting crystal clear on your why. For me, it was deeper than not wanting to gain weight, not wanting to compromise my immune system. It was I needed to show my son what strength and resilience and staying positive in the midst of chaos truly looked like. Letting myself go, saying, fuck it, nobody's going to see me anyway, we're all stuck anyway, was completely misaligned with my why. And the thing about your why is it can change, it can evolve, you can have more than one why. It doesn't have to be super deep and spiritual and life-changing, it just needs to motivate you. These are the things that you go to, that you remind yourself of, that anchor you back to your goals. And that's why having a very clear why is so important. So if you don't have a very clear why on why you want to lose weight, that's where you want to start. Write them all down. Don't judge yourself when you do this. It doesn't matter if it seems vain or if it seems whatever. Don't judge it. Fuck what everybody else might think. No one's going to see this shit anyway. Just needs to matter to you. So that was number one. I got very clear on my why. The second thing I did was I cut out heavily processed foods. In case you're thinking, what the fuck are heavily processed foods? Don't worry, I got you. Think frozen pizzas, frozen dinners, microwavable dinners, canned foods, soda, donuts, cookies, baked goods, candy, sugary breakfast cereals, chips, deli meats. Okay, heavily processed foods usually contain artificial ingredients like preservatives, colorants, fake flavorings, and chemicals. This, in and of itself, also cut out a significant amount of sugar that I was consuming. And I'll be doing an episode about how and why sugar makes us fat and sick. But Processed foods are filled with all kinds of shit we don't need to be eating and lots of hidden sugar. I noticed right away how much lighter I felt just by doing this. This actually forced me to start cooking again, which was the third step. I'd gotten so busy working and grinding that I would only cook maybe one or two meals a week. And some weeks I'd just be too busy to cook at all. So I relied a lot on takeout or, oh, I'll just make a quick sandwich or something, right? So when I started cooking again, that completely changed the game. And I'm actually a really good cook, if I do say so myself, but I don't have a lot of patience and I am nobody's Martha Stewart, okay? I don't want to stand in the kitchen for more than 20 minutes at a time. I don't have the time or the patience for meal prepping or chopping vegetables on a Sunday afternoon for two hours and sorting out bento boxes and shit. So you will never hear me preach that shit ever. If it works for you, that's great. And I know lots of people who find joy in chopping vegetables on Sundays. That just doesn't work for me. What does work for me is meal planning. So let's make that number four. I use an app. I tell the app what I want to eat for the week. The app gives me my grocery list and I order that shit online. 
because you want to know what else I don't like? Going to the fucking grocery store. Can't stand it. I don't know why. It's just I don't like it. So I always think of what's the most efficient way I can do something. How can I set myself up for success? For me, it's simple but healthy recipes, right? Another thing, make sure you have the tools that you need to make cooking simpler. I have a chopper, a crock pot, a salad spinner, a vegetable steamer, an air fryer, a toaster oven. These are all tools to simplify your life in the kitchen. Use them. None of this shit has to be complicated. Cooking is not hard. If you can read, you can cook because you can follow directions. It's really that simple. Follow directions. We learned that in elementary school. (laughs) My son made tacos the other day. He's nine. If he can make tacos, you can fucking cook. All right? Again, it doesn't have to be complicated. We sometimes overcomplicate life, right? And in my own journey, I've become the queen of uncomplicating shit because whenever I run into too much resistance, I'm more than likely to sabotage myself. And I'm just keeping it real, which leads me right into step number five. So this is a, a concept that apparently is common sense, but I, um, I never thought about it. So maybe I just I just needed it to be explained to me in a different way. But I learned this when I was training to become a health coach. And the concept is fucking simple. Cook once to eat twice or even more. Right. So basically it's batch cooking. And I used to struggle with this because my son doesn't like leftovers. Well, he didn't like leftovers. We had to do some mindset work around that. And, and part of it actually might apply to you. It's the idea that food is just fuel, right? We often give food way more power than it actually needs. And that's how it becomes like a friend or an enemy or something that you can't control yourself around when it's just fucking food. So let's depersonalize food, okay? The purpose of food is for fuel. It's not for comfort. It's not even for taste. It's really just fuel. It's just energy that our body needs, right? And this is how you make food neutral. So if you have a complicated relationship with food, which I had for many years as an emotional eater, this is a really good place to start. If you eat the same thing two or three days in a row, so the fuck what? You're saving time. Every meal doesn't have to be unique or extravagant. It just needs to fuel you. So, you know, it might require some mindset shifting on your part, but it's real. Something that I always get asked is what diet I follow. And part of my training on nutrition required me to learn over 100 dietary theories. So I'm familiar with a lot of the popular ones. And I know coaches and trainers who are like, hardcore keto or vegan or paleo and that's fine i am none of the above i am not married to any dietary agendas or protocols there are pros and cons to all of them and as a holistic coach i firmly believe that it all depends on the individual your likes your dislikes your health conditions if you have any i'm actually a really picky eater and i've gotten a lot better but One thing I don't tolerate well in my life is 
restrictions. You're going to hear me say this shit a lot. Again, I'm a free spirit. Don't tell me what I can and cannot eat. Don't tell me to weigh my fucking food so that they can fit into my damn macros because I don't give a fuck about my damn macros. Okay? I practice intuitive eating and I teach this in my programs with the full knowledge that some people really need structure and that's okay. And some people really actually want me to tell them what to eat every day and that's okay. I can do that. You know, it's funny. The main reason for this is usually not thinking that you can trust yourself to make the healthiest choices for yourself. But you can. And I'm happy to help you get there and hold your hand through it. Because if I can do it, so can you. And in the spirit of simplicity, here's the essence of intuitive eating. It's just two questions. Am I hungry? If the answer is yes, then it's time to eat. And while you're eating, you ask yourself, have I had enough? If the answer is yes, then it's time to stop eating. And this is how you start getting comfortable with your body by mindfully paying attention to the signals because our body is always sending us signals. We just don't always pay attention. So regardless of whether you want to do intuitive eating or follow any other dietary theory, just try mindful eating. This will help you not only lose weight because you'll start to naturally eat smaller portions, but you'll also start to notice how the foods you eat make you feel and how to listen to your body's hunger and fullness signals. So if you're eating while you watch TV and you're texting your friend and you're replying to an email, you're not paying attention to any of the above. And your digestion is also going to be confused. Digestion's like, what the fuck's going on? What is she doing? Right? And there's a lot of ways to try mindful eating. There's no like one, one way to do it. You can try to eat with your non-dominant hand or you can just try putting the fork down while you chew. And if you've never done any of this, just, just start with just eating and doing nothing else until you feel full. Just be in the moment and enjoy your food. Just enjoy every bite. Just sit there and eat your food. I know all my multitaskers are like, what the fuck? I can't just sit there and eat. Sure you can. Just sit there and eat your food. You can respond to the text in 10 minutes. They can wait. This is called honoring yourself. Honoring your body. This is self-care. This is self-love. See, it's the simple things that we either overlook and dismiss or we overcomplicate and stress over. That was number six. Number seven, since we're already talking about being mindful, it's all about mindfulness. And you might be saying, okay, sure, Eva, you're a mindfulness teacher. So duh, of course you practice mindfulness. But again, just because I know what I should be doing doesn't mean it's easy. And it doesn't mean that I don't falter sometimes or a lot of the time. And I'll tell you why. I have a tendency to overthink and I have a tendency to future trip. And all of a sudden, I have the weight of the world on my shoulders and I'm overwhelmed and my anxiety is through the roof. In the past, I would cope with my anxiety by doing what coaches call buffering, which for me was to overeat, overdrink or overspend. Now, this mindfulness shit really works if you let it. So in the spirit of uncomplicating things, here's what mindfulness is in a nutshell. It is the simple act of paying attention and noticing and being present in whatever you're doing. This allows you to notice your thoughts, your feelings, your behaviors, your movements. 
and the effects that you have on the people around you as well. Sure, it's easier said than done, but it's also effective and it's life-changing. Mindfulness can really be that missing key to helping you learn how to cope with chaos instead of feeding into it. And here's a common question that I get. Does mindfulness mean meditation? No. Actually, a lot of people think that they're interchangeable and they're not. Mindfulness is a quality and meditation is a practice. And there are so many ways to practice mindfulness. And so for me, the biggest benefit is the ability to allow my emotions the space that they need to be processed. And I do this by journaling, meditating, EFT tapping, breath work, mirror work. We'll get into these practices in future episodes. Just start with one thing that you think you'll be able to do consistently. I love meditation. But before I could truly begin my own personal meditation practice, I had to start with journaling. Otherwise, I couldn't even begin to concentrate on my breathing, let alone a mantra or a guide. So I recommend journaling at least once a day. Ideally, first thing in the morning, before you check your phone. And it can just be a brain dump of whatever's on your mind. I literally keep my journal next to my bed. And some days I write in it several times. I also know some people that journal right before they go to bed as a way to process what happened during the day. Just do whatever works for you. Try both. See which one you prefer. There are no rules. It doesn't have to be pretty. It doesn't even have to make sense. It's just a safe space for your mind to unwind, unleash, and decompress. And it will give you so much clarity versus keeping everything bottled up inside or lashing out on someone you love because your mind is just overwhelmed. Practicing mindfulness is what keeps my anxiety at bay. It helps me get out of my head because I can definitely get stuck there and it helps me sleep better. And I'll do an episode on this as well, but there's a strong correlation between sleep and weight loss. So if you're not sleeping well, your body's going to hold on to fat. Number eight, I started to drink more water. Most people don't drink enough water. They think they do. They think, "Mm, well, there's water in my tea, so that counts. There's water in my juice, so that counts. No, it doesn't. Don't believe those lies. You may have also heard that in order to lose weight, you should drink a gallon a day. That's also a damn lie, unless you weigh 250 pounds. Here's the simplest formula that takes your bio-individuality into consideration. How much do you weigh? Now divide that number in half. That's how many ounces your body realistically needs every day. So if you weigh 160 pounds, you should be drinking 80 ounces of water each day. If you don't like how water tastes, there's a lot of things you can try. You can add fruit. Lemon water is my favorite thing first in the morning. Jump starts your digestion and it gets things moving. You could also try cold water, room temperature water, drinking out of a glass jar, drinking out of a straw. Find what works for you. Just drink enough water. Will you pee a lot in the beginning? Yes. You'll get used to it. If you have the type of job where you can't access the bathroom often, it does get a little bit more complicated. But there are ways around it. You just need to find the right timing. 
So my suggestion is just drink as much as you can up to 32 ounces first thing in the morning and hydrate before you caffeinate. It makes a huge difference. Drink that water before you drink your coffee and before you drink your tea. Sometimes I add those little flavored electrolyte packets into my water. And this is actually really helpful with controlling my cravings for sweets. So try things until you find something that works. But just don't skip this stuff. Number nine, I cut out added sugars and I started replacing sugar with stevia. So stevia is a natural sweetener derived from plants. So it's not artificial or chemically created in a lab like aspartame and sucralose. I use stevia in my espresso. I use it for baking. And it honestly doesn't have that weird aftertaste at all. Again, sugar is really bad for our health, my friend. And artificial sugars like those in diet sodas are even worse. So just because it says zero calories doesn't mean it's okay to consume. So if your goal is weight loss, you have to cut down on your sugar intake. Am I saying you can never eat sweets again? No. I actually don't subscribe to any of the always and never rules, if you haven't noticed already. I'm just saying start being mindful of your sugar intake. Oh, and there are people who will tell you that since sugar is bad, that includes fruit because fruit has natural sugars in it. And I fully disagree. Fruit is fine. You're not getting fat because you're eating too many goddamn strawberries. Okay? That's where food rules and restrictions just get ridiculous. All right. I promised myself I would keep this to 10 steps. So, number 10, I stopped overdoing it with cardio and I started strength training. I started seriously strength training in January of last year. But this was when I was going to the gym and I had access to lots of different machines. And I noticed the changes in my physique right away. So I was pretty bummed that I couldn't go to my gym anymore. So I got resourceful. I went online. I ordered a few different dumbbells, a barbell set, and a bench. This probably cost me less than $400. I also bought a rebounder. A rebounder is like a mini trampoline. And I learned that it's a more efficient way to burn fat than running. And I'm not a great runner. It's low impact. It also boosts your lymphatic drainage and your immune function, which is extra important nowadays. Plus, it's good for your skeletal system because it increases bone mass and it helps to improve your digestion. And I only need to do it for like 10 minutes. And then I do a quick 20-minute metabolic conditioning or strength training workout with my dumbbells and my barbells. And I do that five days a week. So yes, sometimes I miss lifting the heavy weights at the gym, but honestly, I don't have a desire to return to the gym anytime soon. And actually, I'm a lot busier now than I was a year ago. So working out efficiently in as little time as necessary is what I'm going to continue to do because it works. Weight training is the fastest way to change your physique, not cardio. And this is how I lost 20 pounds in 2020. I didn't starve myself. I didn't deprive myself. I didn't run three miles every day. I didn't stop eating meat. I don't just eat salads. I built myself a program based on things that I value. Flexibility, simplicity, and efficiency. 
And if I can do it, so can you. So since I'm no longer taking private clients, I've been working on packaging my program, this exact blueprint that I perfected over the past year. And I'll be offering it digitally for anyone that's looking to either lose that quarantine 15 or lose those last stubborn pounds that just won't go away. And I cannot wait to share this with you. So stay tuned for that. And be sure to subscribe to this podcast so that you're the first to know when it becomes available. I hope you found this helpful. And like I said, if I can do it, so can you. I'll talk to you soon. Bye for now. Thanks so much for tuning in this week and trusting that none of this has to be complicated. At the end of the day, I want you to feel empowered to know that you can have the health, the body, and the life that you desire. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode and tag me on Instagram while listening at It's Eva Rodriguez so that I can support you along your journey. I'll talk to you next week.